Welcome to the MEFG Global Markets Podcast. I'm George Kankavis, MEFG's Head of U.S. Macro Strategy in the Americas. And today I'm joined by Andrew Myers, our desk analyst from the investment grade team, and Bill Matthews from the desk analyst also from the high yield team. Uh, we're recording this as of Thursday, January 4th, 2024. Happy New Year to both of you guys. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, George. Good to be on with you today. Happy New Year, George. Great. Um, thanks for joining, guys. Again, it's you know it's a really good opportunity to have you both um, as we do this uh, virtual fireside chat. Um, and, you know, lots going on in credit. Uh, we we covered a lot of these credit themes uh, in 2024 outlook that we recently published. So let's uh, jump right in and start off with with you, Andrew. Um, given the you know the the key factors that you know, drove the tightening in 2023. Why don't we kind of just kind of quickly go through as a recap of what were the best sectors and, and what led to that sort of outperformance? Sure. Well, I'll, I'll start with sort of a kind of a recap of what happened in 2023. I would say first, uh, IG investors went into the year, into 2023, defensively after a, a sizable 35-bit rally off the Ys to close 2022. And and uh, expectations were for a robust notion calendar in January. And then, you know, there was general uncertainty around the Fed policy and the direction of the economy to start the year. So IG investors were somewhat defensive. But, um, but I think what we saw in the first month of the of the year was quite telling and set the tone for the remainder of the year. That is, heavy new issue volumes were met with strong demand, supported by ample cash held by investors. Uh, issuance was somewhat skewed to financials. So there was a, some technical support for industrial credits. Equity markets rallied, signaled a general risk on tone, and this equity credit correlation was maintained throughout the year. Uh, and in the end, IG Cash Index actually tightened 13 bips in January, despite um, the heavy issuance and, and delivered really strong returns. I would also say that throughout the year, widening and risk-off scenarios was limited for a number of reasons. Um, investors were unwilling to sell discounted, long-dated paper. Uh, the buy the buy the dip mentality was strong as ever and supported by investors eager to deploy cash uh, at yields not seen since the financial crisis. And I think the federal government's response to the regional bank crisis in March sort of increased general optimism and that March rally renewed uh, some of the FOMO idea. And I guess lastly, we can't ignore resiliency in the economy, perhaps propped up by fiscal spending, but consumers remain strong throughout the year and monthly labor reports proved to be resilient. So that was sort of how the year went down. I would, and a couple of sectors that outperformed, I think media was the big outperformer. Um, uh, ended 47 bips tighter on the year. And you know while the entire IG market performed really well, it sort of um, proves that it's still important to be uh, you know a good credit selector. In this case, you had uh, a couple idiosyncratic stories. You had the post-merger deleveraging story of two of the big studios, um, a storied but struggling media co coming off the brink of high yield that led to, to big uh, spread tightening. In general, broadband providers posted solid results um, despite concerns about slowing subtrends. And then you had the addition to the IG index of, of the largest streaming provider and, and subsequent 100-bit rally in that credit. Um, another sector that perform, performed well was the telecom sector. You know, they they came off some large investing and, and massive debt issuance in 2021, 2022. 
And, uh, you know, they, they started to execute on leverage reduction and uh, couple that with market share gains in broadband with fiber connectivity, competing with the broadband providers. And that, that provided some good outperformance on the telecoms. And then away from communication sector, basics did very well. Uh, again, I think somewhat of a idiosyncratic story there. Uh, large chemical producers saw spread out performance. And I think this is because the chemical cycle got ahead, is ahead of the general macro cycle. That is, um, you know, there was a supply glut in 2022, and they sort of cleared that inventory out going into 2023, setting that sector up for, for stronger financial results and, and subsequent spread performance. Uh, tech, of course, you can't, you know, can't ignore tech, but the AI craze, 38 bips tighter for the tech sector. And then lastly, energy. Energy propped up with oil trading at, at elevated levels for much of the year and, and consolidation in the EMP space, which continues to be a theme going into 2024. Thank you, Andrew. That was really comprehensive. Really appreciate you going through all those details. Let's uh, flip it back to you then, uh, Billy, on, on the high yield side. Um, what were the big themes in high yield and which sectors performed? You know, same same question. Give us a good recap. Sure. Yeah. So on the high yield side, you know, high yield reached its widest yield in in kind of recent times in October 2022 with the yield on the index uh, exceeding nine and a half percent. So by the time we came into 23, though it had rallied, it still started at a very wide point. So the setup was good from a technical perspective. You know, we had the Silicon Valley Bank and the regional uh, banking crisis um, emerge and kind of uh, pass more quickly than people had anticipated. And then even with the credit, with the uh, monetary tightening, credits were able to withstand the higher interest rates and um, performance in the in the high yield market was was better than expected. So, you know, the high yield market returned 13 and a half percent for the year. Um, and spreads end of the year, kind of a historical tight level of 340 basis points. So going into 24, despite the historical tight levels, we still are constructive on high yield um, in that, you know, now we're facing a declining rate environment and high yield investors, you know, traditionally are all in yield investors. So should be able to take advantage of some of those declining yields. And that's partially, I think, why spreads are as tight as they are. People you know, want to have exposure and maintain exposure despite what would seem rich spread levels. So on a sector basis, clearly financial institutions did well. The total return across sectors was pretty uniform with all sectors, you know, approaching double digit returns, energy, basic, basic industry, capital goods, technology, um, pharmaceuticals had some credit specific implosions. So their returns were uh, mid single digit, but aside from that, strong across across the sector um, space. And so going forward, we kind of I think we feel that you know a loosening of the supply chain constraints, which had been thematic in 2023, will help uh, global production schedules. So we're favorable towards industrials. Um, you know, in cable and satellite, there was uh, in telecommunications, there were a couple of credit specific debt exchanges that. Um, you know, avoiding those was critical in terms of, of maintaining um, good performance in, port, in your in high yield portfolios. And you know, I think if you, you know switching to issuance, uh, one hundred and seventy five billion dollars of issuance was kind of the projected level for twenty twenty three. It came in at about one hundred and seventy eight billion, so um, right on the prediction. 
And for this coming year, we are predicting kind of a 210 to 240 uh, issuance, so an increased level, but still below historical levels. Um, yeah, and so that's the high yield summer. Thanks, Bill. I really appreciate that. Uh, let's um, shift gears a little bit, and and you, you kind of touched on these topics already, Bill. So we'll focus more about our you know bull base uh, and bear case uh, uh, and, uh, and bear case for spreads and overall macro rationale behind them. I'll, I'll kick things off, and then I'll turn it over to you guys. But for those uh, that received our 2024 outlook, we had a cross market view summary forecast range. Uh, where we expect um, the Fed to ultimately deliver, you know, nearly 200 basis points of cuts, 175 starting in March, with really the contentious view is March really the start, and if they push it back, they'll just ease less than the full 175. But we do think that, you know, uh, short end rates are going to go uh, under 4% uh, as a result of that. And, but at the same time, you know, the general rate curve has anticipated this move and we've had a pretty decent rally in rates in Q4. And so our range for the 10 year as a base case is somewhere around three and three eighths to four and three eighths. If we get it back up in rates, it's going to probably happen in the first half of the year, more so than the second half of the year. Uh, but that all will also depend on what sort of outcome we get from the election. But nonetheless, we think that most of the move in rates has largely happened for long-term rates unless we go into a much more protracted slowdown. Uh, and then on spreads, we had we, we penciled in 95 to 140 for IG and 340 to 490 on high yield. And so maybe like you know, starting with that um, and, and just kind of exploring like our rationale that you know, even though we're relatively constructive from like an aggregate level, uh, spreads did get pretty tight to finish the year. And now it's more about trying to really, really pick our spots. And so I'll turn it over to you guys to try to kind of think through like how to Think about the range of like 95, 140 for IG and for high yield 340 to 490. Andrew, you want to go yeah, first? So, sure. Yeah, starting with IG. I mean, starting the year at, at some pretty tight levels, um, around 100 bips, although we've, we've moved back in the first few trading days of the year to about 105 bips on the on the index. And so I think, yeah, the uh, our, our ranges uh, have little upside built into them. Uh, I think post-pandemic, when the Fed was buying bonds or had bond-buying programs, uh, the tights we saw was like 79 basis points. So wouldn't expect to get close to those levels, given that those Fed programs are no longer in place. But um, there could be uh, you know, some tightening there. But you know, I think most of, the, most of our ranges have a little more downside built in, just from where spreads are starting. Um, bear case, you know, we could see it going out as much as 180 basis points. I would say that last year when we were looking at sort of recessionary scenarios, we thought maybe spreads could get to 200 or, or even wider than that. I think, I think one of the takeaways from 2023 is IG credit markets are in a technically strong position. And I don't think that, um, widening was would be as severe in a in a bigger bear case um and on the on the bull case yeah i mean we're already at tight levels so i don't know how much tighter you can go i think throughout all most of these cases you still have a pretty good um opportunity for total returns i think the 
in the end, the the treasury story is going to be um, providing a lot of tailwind for IG investors, and there's going to be great opportunity for for IG returns um, with modest potential for spread widening. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, definitely agree with you on that. And I do think that the downsides, the way we've kind of carved out these ranges, it's more about when to buy the dip more so than to be terribly concerned. But at the same time, yeah, there'll be times where treasuries can maybe outperform IG as well. And that's where the spread widening will come more so than actual credit concerns. Uh, Billy, how about you? Like moving over to high yield, I mean, we got kind of similar story, to, but a much wider range for different reasons. Yeah, it, similar story and similar story in that the last two months of the year, you know, you kind of mentioned December, November, December were, you know, a blistering rally for high yield. And particularly, you know, after the December 13th Fed meeting, where I think 40% of the spread compression for the year was in the last month and maybe 20% of that, 25% of that was within the last two weeks of the year. So we, you know, not a surprise, we've begun the year on a, on a uh, note of weakness as we're giving back some of those gains. But in general, our, you know, our spread ranges kind of begin with where, uh, where our existing levels are right now, about plus 340. And then depending on which scenario um, evolves, you know, a widening range in a more distressed scenarios out to 640 and, you know, a bull case kind of, you know, in the, in the 415 plus 415 spread level range. So in general, I would say thematically, the high yield index has uh, become slightly shorter in duration and has become higher in quality and also a bit smaller as an aggregate level. So the, those factors have kind of contributed to a, a generally higher quality index than has been the case traditionally. Um, so that will be somewhat helpful in terms of uh, scenarios where we we enter disruption. Um, and I think, you know, kind of strategically, the, the proper way to kind of address the risks is to remain defensive in what I would characterize as harvest the value premium, meaning remain defensive and wait for uh, dislocation and then use those opportunities to move down the credit spectrum. If you think about credit, high yield credit portfolio risk on three axes, you know, credit, duration, and concentration, duration would probably uh, be the axis where you could extend and um, would be rewarded for that. So again, we would favor double Bs, which would allow you to kind of um, create a, a portfolio that would have below index risk and then yield above index returns if um you know during those periods of dislocation you move back down to single b's that's how we would approach the market and if you think about you know from a default perspective something we haven't really touched upon you know defaults did rise to three percent uh including distressed exchanges um during 2023 and we expect that to tick up a little higher but that's still below the long-term average which would be between four and four and a half percent so despite the disruption and the global macro forces that we've discussed before, um, high yield credits have been able to weather these um, forces and continue to cover interest, meet maturities, and um, you know generate free cash flow. Well, guys, thank you. Thanks again. I mean, this is really comprehensive. Really appreciate everything, Andrew and Billy. Um, let's let's wrap it up here. Thanks a lot. Thank George. you. Thank you, George. Great. And again, I encourage our listeners, for those who have not had a chance to read uh, the U.S. Desk Strategy Report, 
where both Andrew and, and, uh, and Billy contributed to, which was called the 2024 U.S. Outlook Getting Back in Sync, where we had a, a high yield as well as IG section covering a lot of these topics, as well as charts that clients will find interesting. Um, also, like to remind our listeners, for those that would like to receive our strategy reports directly, please email myself or your MUFG sales coverage. And uh, again, thanks for listening for the MUFG Global Markets Podcast. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And reach out to your MFG sales rep for any further information. Check back soon for more insights from the global markets.